held it too long. We're back, everybody. After four long months, we're free. <laughs> Welcome to the DestroProps.com oh. podcast. As always, I'm dead. Join me today, we have Birdie. This is therapy for me now. Yes. After being in a school for the past four months, hiding inside of lockers away from just everything. <sighs> he is back. You joke. <laughs> I know I joke. <sighs> yeah, we're here. Uh, we got comics to talk about. Some are good. <laughs> some are definitely not. Yeah. Some are weird, which is both of mine. Okay, well, I know one of the weird ones you want to talk about well enough to, so let's just do that one first. Cause so there's a new mask book. Which is running under either I Pledge Allegiance to the Mask, which I think is the cover, the title on the cover under just the mask. Yeah, or it's... make America green again is the other tagline. Yeah, I think that one's just a tagline. I think I pledge allegiance to the mask is the actual title of the series. Okay, fair enough. Because you know they gotta get out of that train. Oh yeah. Not even uh... in that country, and that's and I'm getting tired of that saying. Nothing about Trump is funny anymore. Like, it was funny the first time he said it, and then the people started playing that Metal Gear clip. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, a a fellow Canadian of yours, Seth Meyers, pointed out that one of Trump's lines is like, no one's laughing anymore, was in fact a reference to an actual line the Joker said in that Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. Oh, this shit's weird. See, I made politics even more political because, well, it's not in this pandemic, it isn't. Yeah, you see, we live in a society, and a society felt the need to bring back the mask again. But this time with a political bent. Except not really. Yeah, not kind of, kind of, it's there enough. Not in the second issue, it isn't. Yeah, so far I've only read the first issue. Okay, so let's both talk about the first issue, and then I can add some details about the second issue, about where this is going, and why I, even though I might be one of the biggest Mask fans you will ever find, am not necessarily on board with this. Yeah. So, story starts with a very, very fat woman um, screaming at three children. Putting one of them in a dog kennel and the other two a spoonful of chocolate syrup. Then the mask comes in and kills both of the both of the adults there, the, the fat woman and her derelict husband, who we never see more of than his left hand and his socks. He lets the kids go. And then we see that it is the mask, aka Big Head. Yeah. Because uh, that's always been the distinction between uh, the Jim Carrey version of this concept and the comic version is that basically everyone who puts on the mask in the comics just becomes Big Head or the Big Head Killer. 
Whereas the mask has just sort of become a general term for anyone who wears the mask in the kind of Jim Carrey version of things. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, after that, yes, after this, uh, yes, after this happens, um, cuts over to a golf course where people are shockingly being a bit racist. And one of those people who is there to witness the racism and then get very mad about it uh, is one Kellaway, retired police lieutenant from Edge City and the former protagonist of the Mask series. One of them. The the first primary. Because mm-hmm. while the mask like while he while the mask was while whoever was wearing the mask was technically protagonist of the book, our through line through it was always Lieutenant Kellaway hunting the mask killer. For yeah, a good chunk kinda, of it, anyway. Yeah, okay, so see if I can remember the order correctly. Uh so first it was Ipkiss. Yes, with issue who, zero. Who it all the first full miniseries. Like the first three or four issues. Oh no, like, he, like so here's the thing. The first, the first, uh, the first series is five issues, issues zero through four, because issue one starts with his girl, with Kathy, his girlfriend, giving the mask to Kellaway. I could have sworn uh, the issue with him, and it was maybe it was just super long. Okay, yeah, so that's the thing. Yeah, so Kathy wears it to kill him after he went on a murderous rampage, then gives it to the police, who Lieutenant Kellaway then puts it on to kill people until he realizes that he's become just as bad as the kind of people he hunts and which point he buries it until he gets hunted down by gangsters who find it in his house and put it on a random nobody who becomes the mask for a while until Kathy deciding I need to get it back to stop this. <laughs> yeah, she was on the mask the and actually get the mask. Yeah, she was on the mask and to fight with Walter, who is the only person who can hurt people while they wear the mask. Yeah. Or can survive the mask's antics. Yeah. Has Walter shown up in the series yet in issue two? Uh, I think they mention him. They don't, they, they say they're looking for someone as like a looky loo because, uh, uh, okay. So we want to just get into the plot of this. Uh, well, no, no, we'll, we'll get, we'll get into that in a second. Just let's continue on with issue, continue on with, uh, issue one. Okay. Yeah. So Kellaway sitting at a bar. He tells his sitting at a, sitting at the bar of the country club after, Accidentally throwing his driver into the nose of one of the guys who was being racist. At which point he sees on the TV a report coming out from Edge City of these of this uh, foster couple that was murdered, and then a then a young girl, one of the foster kids, speaking Spanish, saying "Head of Green" in Spanish. To which Kellaway freaks the dick out and heads back to Edge City. Yeah. Meanwhile, in a different part of Edge City, I think. Oh, we got yeah, Kathy. Who is now the mayor of Edge City, I believe. Yes. Uh, either mayor or some kind of high political thing who is aiming for presidency. Yeah. Well, was that originally or was that like, okay. Um, it wasn't clear to me that that was her goal until issue two. And in issue two, she kind of feels more compelled to do it because all the other competitors are killed off by a nobody who thought nobody who nobody thought could win because he was so unpopular. So he, as the big head, killed off the competition. Yeah, uh, yeah. They mentioned it in the first issue that he, that she is looking to that, that she is like kind of 
angling towards that. Uh, she meets up with a couple of people at City Hall, um, and one of them is like, one of them is like, hey, I got $3 million sitting here for you. All right, I got thirty million dollars in here for you. All you gotta do is remove is remove restrictions on, or is like remove taxes or something on some data ca- mining or something like that. It's- yeah, yeah. Remove the caps on data mining. That's what it was. <laughs> remove the caps on data mining. Also, suck my dick. Yeah. And so, that's and that's not a. I'm not making a joke of like. Hey, no, he, 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 no literally he literally says, said, "Hey, I yeah. want a blowjob." Yeah, I know. I tell it to the folks at home. Yeah. And yeah, she finds out about this. Um, she leaves like a campaign rally or like a some kind of like public speaking event. Leaves that, and then someone's like, "Hey, there's been a murder down here." And I was like, "Yeah, murder in the south is always always the fucking same." What the, what the fuck is this shit? Oh, fuck. And the mask yeah. is out there. Uh, at a certain point during the dip, during the different um happenings of Kellaway and Kathy. <laughs> Fuck. That sounds like it hurt. I swallowed a bug, apparently. But yeah, after after those events, um during those events at some point, uh some dude we see he has the mask and he throws it out into the river and the mask begins to float away. At which point it is picked up by some rando. Yeah. So I can fill in a I can fill in a couple of details for you here. Uh, the guy that seen throwing it away was a homeless guy who knew those kids, who found the mask somewhere and used it to kill the woman who was abusing those kids. But then felt so bad about it that he managed to convince himself to free himself from Big Head, remove it, and never want to wear it again. And the guy who finds it is the nobody politic politician I mentioned, who now wants to run for president and win using the powers of Big Head. Yeah, because issue one ends with, um, issue one ends with like him sitting at his sitting at his kitchen table, sitting at like sitting in his kitchen with the mask on in big head mode, going, "I'm gonna run for president." Yeah, and his wife's like, "Honey, the fuck are you doing?" Yeah, and that's the and end of issue when- one. And in the second issue, he announces his candidacy and says he's running as a dark horse candidate. Ha, 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 ha. This book was put out by Dark Horse. So, other than like all the other political candidates being killed off and Kathy deciding to run for mayor and that uh, guy you were saying, hey, remove data limits and suck my dick, uh, teaming up with Big Head to get him elected. Uh, Yeah, not a lot happens in issue two. Because this is where we get into uh, what I hope is not a lingering problem with this book. It's a lot of Kellaway and Kathy remembering, hey, we were once Big Head. Remember? R- remember <laughs> these b- beloved characters that no one's thought about in 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> Except for us occasionally. Yeah, I mean, th- that's the thing. I'm... Okay, I don't know about you personally, but me personally, I'm a fan of the mask and I don't give a shit. <laughs> I like the mask. The mask is a 
Damascus has has had more ups than downs. I feel in comics. Um, personal personal taste thing. I kind of prefer this to the movie. Uh, I'm, you see, I'm the opposite because I'm of the opinion that the movie made a smart decision that the comics never did, and this kind of reinforces it that. Um, The movie feels somewhat timeless, even if it's a little homogenized compared to the comics. Yeah. But this feels straight out of, like, the early 90s. And... Like, this specifically, not, or The Mask in general? Yeah, this... No, this specifically. This new comic feels straight out of the early 90s. Because while some of the political points are updated, a lot of, like, the tone, the humor... The style feels so much like an a Dark Horse comic from 89 to 91 when this series was popular that I kind of just don't care. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. This is not this was not great. The weirdest thing about it though to me is the artwork for me. Like it it, it is it it feels way too scratchy and way too heavy for the mask. Like whenever we see the mask in this thing, like whenever we see Big Head in this in this comic, it feels off because he feels like there's texture to him that there wasn't before. Well, it feels like um the solidity of the of the uh the the gritty solidity of the art style kind of makes it so that some of the more absurd mask stuff can't be done. Like, you're never yeah. going to have a scene like Ipkiss from Issue Zero where he's going, I've been working on the railroad all the live long day while he's hacking into a cop car with an axe. Yeah, like, the mask works because he's basically a living cartoon. Yeah, so in this kind of, at least so far, has kind of cut that. back on the manic, the manic energy that made both the comic and the movie fun. Even if one was intended to be dark and the other was intended... Mostly to be entertaining. Yeah, and like I'm not, and like I'm not sitting here trying to go like, oh yeah, the uh, the movie took the movie took about all the dark shit, so it's worse. So you should feel bad. Like I, I think that I like the dark shit more than I like the more than I like the like the happy stuff. But that movie's still really good. Yeah, and this and doesn't feel like anything. Like this doesn't feel like the mask. It feels like. It feels like someone wrote a very, very bad, edgy political thriller and then decided to put the mask characters in it. Yeah, or like someone really wanted to do a, you know how all the all the throwbacks to seventies and eighties slashers are a big thing again. So, and that's kind of what the mask was, even if it was going a different direction, because originally the mask movie was designed to be kind of a. Well, we're running out of night night on Elm Street movies. So what do we do over at New Line? <laughs> and then Chuck we Russell. make one movie, let it sit for decades, then make a terrible movie. Yeah. And I will say to to the film series credit, um, to the comic series credit, they never made anything as bad as Son of the Mask. <laughs> no, you you kind of can't unless you're trying to. Yeah. Like, but fuck um, that that movie, Jesus Christ! Yeah, that that movie's not even like fun, bad to talk about. It's just no, it's awkward. 
It's awkward and creepy and weird. Yeah. Half of it looks like it was directed by Hype Williams when he was when he's on like a depressant. The other half of it looks like a fucking nightmare. Yeah. But another thing I kind of, uh, what I kind of like about what the movie's version of the mask did versus what the comic series did is that part of the reason I've kind of done with like the old Dark Horse version of the mask is that basically everybody's the same. To an extent, like a, yeah. They're, they all go, they all try the mask and go, oh, this is great. Then after a little bit, everything starts falling apart. They go, oh, God, the mask is too much. I need to get rid of it. Well, I mean, that that's not what I mean. What I mean is like, uh, so if, if the comic series has a point, it's that deep down we're all murderers. Because, Naturally. Or, which, okay, fine, in like a gritty edgelord early 90s way, that's oh, right. kind of fun I get, for I get, a I get what you mean now. But. Yeah, the mask in the movies is said to just take what you have and amplify it. Yeah, which is why usually when in in negative ways. Yeah, which is why when like the gangster puts it on, he doesn't turn into the Stanley Epkins. He turns just into himself, but meaner. Yeah, you know, like powers and shit. Which I think, from a character perspective, makes that a little bit more interesting than what the comics did. But which the comics is certainly have their place. Yeah, which is with the comics, people put on the mask and then. They all become the Stanley Ipkiss version, but sometimes with different hair. Yeah, not just the Stanley Ipkiss version, but also they all become murderers just like eventually, regardless yeah. of who they were before, they just become murderers. Well, I don't think the little girl murdered anyone. Uh, only because her dad stopped her. <laughs> Fair enough. Attempted murder is still a crime. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, how much you want to bet? How much you want to bet? At some point in this movie, someone's gonna say, someone's gonna fucking complain about how how you can't be uh, how you can't be convicted for attempting to commit a crime. Because that's the new big fucking shit right now. Oh, maybe I don't know. That's another thing. I think we both. I, if this thing has a political bite, it's weak. Like so far, at least it does. The writing's not there. It's just kind of like, even by mass standards, like broad, inconsistent caricature of American politics. That I don't know what. If it has a point, I don't know what it is yet. Yeah, the majority of the political stance this thing has taken is politics and bad. Okay. Basically. Like the closest they've come to making a point is that guy saying remove the mi- remove the caps on data mining and also suck my dick. That's as close as it gets. Yeah. To a proper political point. The other the other one they heart the other one they go for is racism and bad, okay? It's all very It's all very like second year of high school. Yeah, or uh, Tom King, Heroes in Crisis. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. 
How could Dude. anyone be sad? They don't have problems. I have problems. You're not sad. Me sad. Lightning. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Man, fuck that book. Yep. If you want to see our full thoughts on fuck that book, be sure to check out the spotlight episode we did a couple weeks, a couple of, I guess, months back now. Yep. Months ago at this point. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I I think this is good. I think this is a six issue mini. I think this series I, I can't imagine it going beyond that. Like I don't yeah, think no, any Mass series has gone before gone beyond a six issue mini. I think most of them are like capped out at five. Yeah, four or five. Yeah, I think and, the, like, wasn't the longest one like Hunt for the Green October? Wasn't that yeah, one like something like that? Five or six? Yeah, I can't imagine any of them being longer than that. I just the mask is good in doses. Yeah, and I still really like the mask. I'm scared considering they apparently still want to go ahead with a reboot of the movie franchise. Oh fuck! <laughs> don't, just don't, don't bring James Dean back from the dead and don't remake the mask. Or if you're going to remake the mask, do anything else with it. Yeah, like, I mean, like I was saying with my comparison of, like, the movie version of the mask versus the comic version of the mask. The concept of the mask would give a good writer a lot of room to do something very different with it if they decided to go kind of like how the mask comics are. More anthology where you just have someone else get the mask for a while and see what happens. Yeah. But that requires a writer who's, one, a clever, committed writer, and also a studio that's not going to say, no, do the things everyone remembers. We, we want this to be what everyone remembers. People Some, still like Jim yeah. Carrey, right? That's why he's in Sonic the Hedgehog. We need to make a new movie so we can, so we can get rid of our, all of our back catalog. We get rid of all of our fucking back order of these goddamn smoking t-shirts. You're going to have someone go out there, they're going to go smoking, and they're going to fucking like it. But sir, we don't have any, but sir, there's no actor who's, who's as animated as that. Then we'll make them entirely animated. What about the rest of the movie? You think we're going to pay for an entire CG movie? Fuck that. Get an actor, but get actor people know, put them in New York City, and they're going to make it a fucking movie. And also write three more of them. Apparently this movie studio is run by Vince McMahon. <laughs> Look at his head. It's so big. <sighs> I he love be it. NXT. <laughs> He's no more cartoony than... Uh, Fucking uh, me, basically. <laughs> he really isn't. <laughs> oh, Put God, him on a tag didn't... team with Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh God! What if the mask showed up at like an actual WWE event in the movie, like Vince <laughs> McMahon? Was... <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns fucking spears him. Uh, 
uh, and then and I'm just in the middle of the match, he just turns into Rikishi. Yeah, or the or the mask. That's the biggest ass writing, sports entertainment. Or the or the mask starts writing Vince McMahon scripts for him, and Vince just doesn't know what's happening. So he go he goes along <laughs> with the scripts as usual until he realizes, wait, this isn't what I wrote, but it's part of the part because I'm that committed at this point. So fuck it. <laughs> yeah. This this is so weird. There was a situation where <laughs> Sami Zayn, a wrestler who has not wrestled in a while, despite being on TV almost every week, he gets in the ring, cuts a promo, and says AEW, the closest thing WWE has had, had has had to competition in like twenty years. Then when it gets uploaded to YouTube, they removed the mention of AEW. And then when it's uploaded to Hulu, it's put back in. Okay. <laughs> and Vince and Vince pretended to be mad about it. Like Vince told him to do it, pretended to be mad about it, and then admitted that he was fine with it. Yeah, can you see why? Can, I know I'm not a wrestling fan, but wrestling fans, can you see why a lot of people are getting sick of Vince McMahon? No, d- bro, you think fucking wrestle? You think fucking non fans are getting sick of Vince McMahon? We're sick of Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon is the worst part of the WWE. Because you look literally right next door, and there's NXT, where Vince has no say in what happens there because it is all run by Triple H, and it's fucking great. Got amazing talent. I think fucking Kevin Owens is going to be going back there soon because he was there for war games and it was awesome. I fucking popped and I and I missed all of Kevin Owens' time in NXT. I've infected another podcast with wrestling. Fuck. Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of run out of things to say about the comic for, the, for this point. Other than... Yeah. I I really hope to if if they are gonna go ahead with their stupid remake or not remake, but reboot the mask franchise idea, that they're gonna get a really committed writer who's willing to go really darkly funny, because the the both the comic and the movie at its best were very darkly funny. Yeah. Like I feel like it'd be good if they took like the tone of the movie and got a bit like sorry, the tone of like tone and basically setup of the comic, but then ran with the movie idea of the mask being different for each person. Because yeah, I because because I don't want to go in there and see another fucking dude with goddamn chiclet teeth and a smooth green head going like doing just fucking Tex Avery bullshit. Yeah, well, I mean, the cartoony elements are kind of baked into everyone who wears the mask. Even oh no, if the cartoon the- cartoony elements is fine, but the exact same shtick as Jim no, Carrey like, is yeah, a no go. Yeah, yeah, don't do Jim Carrey shtick. That's fine. That's yeah. Fuck, have someone roll in there and their the and like their fucking inner personality is just heavy metal. The cartoon. You can do that. There's a wide breadth of cartoons out there. Which backstory do you think they'll go for with the mask? The fucking Amazon rainforest item of worship or the Loki toss-off? I don't know. It depends on... uh, 
what the producers decide, because is New Line still a thing? I think New Line's still a thing. Alright, so they might actually still have the rights to make the movie, I don't know. But, um... It's gonna be, uh... It's gonna be a matter of, like, balancing internet outrage with, like, what the money, the purse holders want. Because if I was a purse holder at New Line, I'd say do something more similar to what the movie did, even if it's not going to be flat out just copying Jim Carrey. But as everyone has pointed out, The Mask might be a good movie, but it's a terrible adaptation of the comics, and that movie would not be made in today's internet climate. (laughs) Nah, it would not. So, I mean, I personally would say kind of do what you suggested, like either at the very, if not go darker, at least go different plot-wise, like have a different kind of character, get the mask, then Stanley Ipkiss, so that you don't invite comparisons. Yeah, just don't have it be like a down-as-luck every man with a heart of gold who, with, with, with don't have him have a fucking dog. Yeah, don't do that either. <laughs> Fuck at that, that point, you're getting... At that point, you're getting into uh, uh, 2016 Ghostbusters territory where you're just like, you just want us to remember the other movie, and if you, even if it's not got anything to do with the other movie, huh? Yeah, just have, have him be a different character. Some other person. Yeah, or she. Yeah, fuck, make it about Kathy. Yeah. Or some other character, since Kathy... Yeah, some other character, because Kathy wouldn't really work. Yeah. And I and Kathy, despite that's not okay. One last thing about the movie: I don't the comic. I don't know why they brought Kathy and Kellaway back. Because their names are they though? <laughs> Anyone who yeah, this this comic was not made for new people. This is not this is not a way to introduce the mask to a new generation. This is hey hey edgy dudes from the nineties. Do you remember the mask? Trump. Give us money. Yeah. Make Dark Horse green again. Yeah, I just... I will read this to the finish just to see if it gets interesting. But the first two issues haven't filled me with a lot of hope. Yeah, I think I was... I'm probably going to end up like not reading this until you text me about it going, Hey, this thing, Hey, this thing ended and it was terrible. At which point I'll go, Oh, right. That exists. Yep. And then I'll read it. Yep. And I'll try to rest people in for a spotlight. Maybe who knows? Probably not. Cause this book that I don't feel like has enough meats to grab onto for a spotlight episode. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyone who is interested in our next spotlight will be the Doomsday Clock. Yeah, you and Nico can have fun with that. We'll try. <laughs> It'll be hard. Have you read any of that thing? No. I've just seen covers of it. They look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, I saw the... I think I, you were talking to you about this. The Basically, the Doomsday Clock version of Joker and Harley Quinn... Or just like 
one-off side characters that are given too much screen time. I remember you saying. Yeah, Mime and Marionette. Which I I'm trying to rem- I'm trying to remember stuff about them. I know that Mime didn't talk and had an invisible gun. And Marionette just had like fine wire that she used to decapitate people. But they actually had like a loving relationship and I think that they were based off of like old characters that recently sh- well, at the time, recently showed up in a Batman storyline. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember their names, but they were like they were like a marionette puppet based uh, characters that like Batman hired to help him break into fucking I think Bane's place with Catwoman. Okay, yeah, I think it was like before the wedding stuff. Yeah. Well, maybe to yeah. uh, add some meat to the bones of your, uh, whatchamacallit, your, um, if your Doomsday Clock showcase doesn't have enough to say, you can talk about, you can add real misery to the fire and talk about the end of Tom King's Batman run. <laughs> oh, I gave up on that, man. That fuck. I think everyone did. Maybe Nico's still reading it. I don't know. I haven't checked his podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. The last issue I read was Batman and his dad dra- dragging dragging their mom dragging his mom's corpse through the desert to drop it in a Lazarus pit. And then I go, and Batman goes, "Surprise, Dad! I left her corpse back home, and I'm gonna beat your ass." Uh. Fuck, man! I do not know if there's actually like a good Batman story going right now. Yeah, I don't know. Because like the only other the only other Batman thing I have read recently, which I won't be talking about in depth because I just don't have a whole lot to say about it right now other than I don't like it, is Batman Superman. Which oh, is the a- uh, the one with the Batman who laughs? Yes. Which everyone refers to him as. Every time they refer to him. Even his allies. Yeah, I... So I'm not a fan of Dark Knight's metal, really. (laughs) Very few people are, except for publishers. I hope. So... I have even less reason to be super on board with that, and I just saw the cover where Supergirl goes evil again. Yep. Because they keep having that happen. Yes, uh, so this whole thing, um, the Batman Who Laughs is setting up a plan of some kind. Um, And so Batman and Superman team up to go try to stop him. And this all comes to a head when they discover that the Batman Who Laughs has created a number of Batarangs made out of nth metal with a specialized version of the toxin that infected him that only infects specific types of people with specific types of DNA. To be specific, he made six Batarangs, each thankfully coated with the superhero they intend to infect fucking emblem and blazon in the middle of it. 
And then, yeah, he goes and starts infecting people. He infects uh, Diane. He infects uh, Donna Troy, Hawkman, Billy Batson, and uh, Blue Beetle. I think yes, Blue Beetle. Uh, well, I think actually they infect the Scarab. Yeah, they infect Kaji Da, and but then Jaime is inside, going like, "I don't want to do this." I think the scarab still. I think the scarab is still Kaji Da. Yeah, I. I don't know. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> do do yeah, you care? DC doesn't care either. I mean, I think this is the first time Blue Beetle has shown up in like a year. Uh, it's about right. Yeah. <sighs> Anywho, your next book, Birdie. Yeah. Well, speaking of bad Dark Horse and bad DC, <laughs> hell yeah, brother! Let, let's talk about a comparison of good and bad dumb nineties. Specifically. I told you about one of... Actually, I think I told you about both of these as I was reading them, but I was surprised to discover that both of these books are dumb. <laughs> but, but one of them is the fun kind of dumb from this period, and the other is, like, depressingly, laughably bad. <laughs> okay. So what do you want first? I'll fight the bullet. Let's get the depressing out of the way first. All right, so Batman v. Aliens 2. <laughs> That's a fucking title. Yeah. Well, don't worry. I mean, the other book is called Batman v. Predator 2. Oh, both of them. Goody. <laughs> There's a reason I was amazed how appropriate our, our setup for this discussion was. Yeah, so I think you told me about Batman v. Alien and Batman v. Predator reading those, but not, but not the second ones. No, actually, I, if I told you about them, I told you about the second ones, because the, the first ones, okay, I'll, I'll just go ahead and get into this. So, both Batman v. Aliens 1 and Batman v. Predator 1 are kind of boring. Like the first one for Alien, Batman vs. Aliens is a ship crashes in like the jungle somewhere, and a group of characters from an Aliens movie are investigating the dig site, and there's also Batman. <laughs> just, just there. Uh, he was apparently sent there. Well, he went there because one of his workers from Wayne Enterprises was there in the area investigating something when the crash happened, but. Uh, other than that, yes, it's also, but also Batman. <laughs> yeah, that feel that feels like a that feels like a very much that feels very much like the like the motto, like the coda of a story. Just there's a story, also Batman. Yeah, whereas the I would argue that the first that the first Batman versus Predator book was equally boring, even if it was actually a about story about Batman, even if. It basically just played out the story of Batman as if he was the main character of Predator 2. Okay. And it's fine. Like, the art's okay. The action's not bad. The, uh, the, it's nice to see 
uh, Alfred use the shotgun he keeps above the mantle because he likes to use it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been finding myself like checking out um, like image sets of just just on just about Alfred on Imgur, and half of them are about how Alfred and about Alfred and a shotgun. Yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> When you think about the fact that Alfred is supposed to be Master Bruce's kind and tender, um, loving parent figure, uh, to see him doing the fisticuffs and the shotgun kind of contradicts that, but in a fun way. But uh, yeah, and it well, it also makes an amount of sense because <laughs> didn't like isn't it also like Cayman that he used to be a soldier or like a or like a combat medic or something. Uh, it, it depends. Like originally I think it was a combat medic. Then it was like special ops. It right. Depends. Yeah. They changed it to, but going to the, going to the one that makes, that is less dumb, the combat medic thing. Why do they have to change everyone's parents into fucking spies? Hi, Huntress. <laughs> yeah. Huntress fucking, uh, Alfred. Well, I'll also be talking about tonight. Yeah. Huntress, Alfred, the Parkers. What was wrong? It just seems. What it just seems to be something Hollywood does. It's not even like, Hollywood. Not like the comic writers are doing it. Yeah, but Hollywood does it too. Because they just have dumb spy stories happen. <laughs> yeah, but like I think the spy stories were actually like in like done in the nineties. Like I think I think it was like either the eighties or nineties when it was revealed that that Richard and fucking Mary Parker were working I mean, for Shield. It's an, I mean, it's an old cliche. I'll give you that, but it's something that everyone has done. I mean, we both watched Cars too. We watched Cars too. We did. Yeah. I think that's still decision. one of our, I think that's still one of our most popular tracks on SoundCloud. Yeah, that's your fault for whatever reason. <laughs> Let me go check that. I I'm curious now about what our idiotic rating, about what our idiotic rankings are. All time. Yeah, it's fucking Cars too. With uh, fourteen hundred and sixty four all time plays. Followed up by the fourth episode of the anime podcast and the first episode of the anime club for Mirai Nikki. Okay. Which is missing episodes five through nine. Or five through eight. Yeah, five through eight because someone did a bullshit copyright claim on them and I couldn't fight it back. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Okay, so anyway, moving on to the comics I actually want to talk about. So Yes, fuck. Um, um, so I, both of these are dumb 90s concepts. But one the of dumbest them, 90s. Yeah. But one of them is the fun dumb 90s, and the other is just like a Rob Liefeld wet dream 90s. So you you asked for um the depressing one. Yeah, so uh, so it'll be interesting. I get to every day this week I get to tell someone the premise of this book and I'm sure I'm pretty sure this response will be pretty similar in most cases. So mm-hmm. um 
So in the rant in the 1920s, some Arctic uh, adventurer found a clutch of um, xenomorph eggs and brought them to a heretofore never mentioned underground lab in Gotham to experiment on them. Yeah, of course. Because that's uh, that's everyone's thing. So, yeah, we got these got these big old murder bugs. What are we going to do with them? I don't bring to a populated area. Yeah. Um. So for reasons that I'm still not clear on, having reread this book, uh, the the lab was frozen over, and the alien, the xenomorphs that did mature already were trapped inside. So when someone th- broke into it seventy plus years later and found a couple, one of the two of the xenomorphs still alive. The whole process started over again after the events of the first Batman versus Aliens, so that he knows what he's dealing with now. So the net first issue or two is just Batman trying to hunt down the xenomorphs and prevent them from spreading. Uh, there's an evil black ops woman who's trying to stop him because she believes in the power of the xenomorphs. <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? Oh, oh I'll get to that. The power of the fucking xenomorphs. It, I, I, it gets dumber. It gets dumber. <laughs> Yay! It's, it's dumber than you're thinking. Because <laughs> I'm thinking xenomorphs-based religion. Close. <laughs> <laughs> um... You, 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 you severely misdoubt how stupid I'm able to think, sir. Okay, so after he hunts down one or two of the newer xenomorphs, he still can't get the old one that looks frozen, so it's harder to kill. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? I, I don't know. Maybe it's just older. Maybe that's why it's harder to kill. I, I don't know why he couldn't kill this thing, because he has no problem killing these things. <laughs> yeah, of course <laughs> he doesn't. They're aliens. <laughs> like, yeah, in, a, in, a, in an enclosed environment, it's hard to kill them because they're fucking they're insects. It's, it's like it's like trying it's like going throughout your house trying to kill one ant, but that ant can kill you. But the main thing of them is that like they, they swarm. Yeah, they're smart and they swarm. So anyway, um, after kill, he finds three people infected with facehuggers, so he brings them to. And I kind of had a problem with this because I I know what I think they're I think. You know, to add to the oh joyous of days moments, I think a lot of the the lore they're pulling this from is from Alien Resurrection. I mean, you already said it, so I don't need to. <laughs> but I'll say it when it comes back. Catchphrase: Oh joyous of days! It's almost Christmas. We got extended. We got extended lore on the aliens based on resurrection. You say <laughs> that one's written by Joss Whedon. So anyway, uh, the frozen xenomorph shows up to get the infants who they were trying to transport off-site for testing purposes. Uh, for reasons that become stupider later, it's determined that the black ops lady is trying to keep a couple of the facehuggers alive to experiment on. Um, but it, when the adult xenomorph shows up with the infants to try to escape, uh, the infants are killed in the firefight as it tries to flee across the building, which that's a 
weird image of Batman and the Xenomorph chasing each other across the rooftops of Gotham. Yeah, it probably would be. And so when you say infants, do you mean like, so Batman found three people that were that had eggs in them. Then they burst out and, they, and the main alien showed up and grabbed them. No, like them. they surgically removed the chest bursters before they burst out. Okay. I was going to say. So they, so they weren't at the, matru- the full maturation phase. Yeah, so now. Maturation they, phase. So now they just have what I'm assuming is like an egg sack. Uh, no, they're they're up to kind of like a semi snake form. They kind of look like the chest brushes. They're just not full size. <sighs> it, 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 don't worry, that's the least dumb part of this. Okay, let's keep so, going. So when it's deter- when I don't know why it took her this long. When it when the black ops lady determines that Batman is dead set on killing and destroying the Xenomorphs. She determines he must be stopped, so I'm going to uh, take him in a moment of weakness after he lo- after he manages to kill one of the xenomorphs to kidnap him and put him on my secret spy base on an oil rig in the middle of Gotham Bay. <laughs> I'll give you a moment. That might be the dumbest thing I've heard so far. It gets worse. Just this ostensibly super spy lady going, yes, let us set up a research base in the middle of Gotham. A city where where nothing bad happens. It's a dumb reason, but there is a reason. Are they trying to get the Joker's Lazarus pit? (laughs) Dumber than that. <laughs> I'm trying to see if I can find the image of it so you know what you're. Oh, here it is. Ooh. Do they want to imp- would- do they want to put a bunch of chest bursters into inmates in Arkham Asylum for testing? No, they want to use uh, DNA from uh, defective xenomorphs and merge it with the DNA of Arkham villains to make our I I to make. Half Xenomorph, half Arkham Villain-based super soldiers. They do know half the people in Arkham don't have powers. Shh, don't tell them that. Like, Mr. Freeze doesn't have ice powers. He just has a gun and a skin condition. (laughs) Oh, don't worry, it doesn't matter. Even the ones that have powers, they don't show them off very well most of the time. Like, Poison Ivy... The Poison Ivy Xenomorph has claws, and that's it. You know, like Poison Ivy does. <laughs> I'm just going to... Does the Penguin Xenomorph because... have a naturally occurring... Does what? the does the Penguin Xenomorph have a naturally occurring umbrella and top hat? <laughs> no. Uh, who do they have in this? They have Two-Face, they have Joker, they have Poison Ivy... Uh, the only one that's even remotely interesting is Croc, because that's basically just a giant crocodile xenomorph. Okay, so Poison Ivy has powers. Killer Croc is a big dude who, based on who you're reading, may or may not have powers. Two-Face and the Joker are literally just dudes. Yes. Two-Face 
is even less than the Joker because the Joker, he has some kind of apparently genetic insanity. I don't know. It's fucking weird. The the Joker doesn't make sense. And the way that people treat him doesn't make sense. Yeah. But Two-Face is a man with a gun. He does have a good designer and a good like public image guy. He's a man with a gun. Yes, and you can see what man with gun good. versus God. Because I because I posted the images for you. Yeah, I'm seeing seeing that first one. Oh, they're all albinos. Except the poison. Except for the one, I don't know, based on the atomic skull. One of the yellow one in the background. That one is. Yeah, I don't know who that one is based on. Scarecrow. Maybe. I guess. Yeah. So there are three white ones, one green one, and one yellow one. Just, just to give, just to give everyone an idea of what we're looking at here. So yeah, uh, it is. There are five things in total. Yeah, not including the croc. Uh, The one up front is in a. Yeah, the uh, the 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 one up front, main one. There's a guy kind of front and center who is on one knee doing a side lunge, (laughs) holding what looks like a Fisher Price version of a gun from Alien. Yeah, remember what I said? uh, Rob Liefeld wet dream. Yeah. Uh, he has a headset on and his head goes back into like the xenomorph long head thing, but he is also just a jacked dude. And part of his face is scarred, not half of it, just part of it. So I'm assuming that's two face. Yeah. One of them's the Joker, which the, you can kind of see in the back. Better. There is a woman. Pardon you. Cut out there for a sec. The, the one, you, the one that's kind of doing the wolf-looking thing—that's Joker, because you can kind of see the red lips, but it's it's hard to tell. And I, I'm only I'm showing you what artwork I can find. Like, yeah, I don't know if the Croc one is what you were expecting or not, but it's dumb. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. So this woman, close cropped hair, black, just looks like shoulder, just looks like fucking soldier lady. Like, give her a bandana and she looks like fucking Vasquez. Then there is the Joker dog. The only one of them on all fours. The only one of them, the only one of them without a gun. Then there's Captain Cold? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I think, yeah, one that's just, uh, the one that just looks like a fucking... The head is just a human skull on the on the end of the giant alien head with giant arms with weird claws at the end of them. Yeah, then we get the poison ivy one going to getting a run at Batman. And she doesn't even she doesn't even look like she has claws. She looks like she has like fucking she looks like she has sharp fingernails and like daggers surgically implanted into her elbows. 
And the Killer Croc one looks like Abomination, but with a big mouth. Yep. You know, Killer Croc. The <laughs> strong man with a skin condition. And also ties to the also ties to the Egyptian god who was a crocodile. <laughs> Fuck. What is he, Moon Knight now? No, like there there was a there was a storyline where he was like living in the sewers helping out the homeless people, and then some woman ca- came along and made him like basically full crocodile man by tying him to an Egyptian god. Those are things that happened, or I had a fever dream. And I mean, ice cubes directly by directly to the side of the microphone because. Fuck it, I need something. Oh, This is bad. This is so bad. Yeah, uh, and I've, I have, I've left out the... I haven't talked about the, the part that is the dumbest part. So remember how I mentioned Alien Resurrection? Yes. So it turns out that the main villain lady uh, was a member of the the uh, scientist team who found the original Xenomorphs back in 1928, and she has remained young and strong, superhumanly strong apparently, because um, the chest burster in her stomach uh, just just didn't come out. That's not even what happened in Resurrection. <laughs> That's... Okay, I don't know if it's dumber than what happened in Resurrection. <laughs> Do you want to know what happened in Resurrection? I, uh, was it where they cloned both Ripley and the alien to create a queen, and then uh, the queen that was born after that created like something more humanoid and gave like a normal mammalian birth which then killed the queen close uh it it was close to a mammalian birth but but the, the birth didn't kill the queen the thing came out and then it ripped the queen's head off oh okay and ripley also gained a bunch of semi alien based powers like she had slightly acidic blood like not to the level of an alien, but it was like it was still able to yeah, like they, melt shit. Yeah, they did that in here too, where she uh, at one point the way Batman's dealing with the aliens is by freezing them so that they can't burn him with the acid, and she just like cuts her hand on the edge of his uh, gun so that she can melt the edge with it with her acid blood. Okay. Yeah, and then she also had like heightened senses and. Yeah. Shit. That's that's here too. As yeah. well as um uh, apparently she talks with the embryo in her that never came out, which and because it's a queen, it allows her to control all of these half xenomorph, half human hybrids she's creating as their queen, except Croc who is just an animal. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. 
That is awful. <laughs> that is good lord. <laughs> and like just to add insult to injury for this book, it also looks fucking ugly. Oh yeah, no. Again, like it's Rob Liefeld, but awful. If that's yeah. the thing, <laughs> there's one. There's one image that you sent me that is that just doesn't have one background. Nope. Just the panel. Just the person forgot to put a background in. Yeah. I also keeping with the Liefeld tradition. I don't see any knees. I see one. Oh, okay. Yeah, the first image you can see. You, you kind of a knee. Yeah, you can't see her foot, but you can see up the leg, and you can see where the knee is. Ah, fair enough. Yeah, so mean, you see a knee. Yeah, meanwhile, the guy in front, while his leg, the one leg is stretched out so you can't see the knee under his baggy pants, the other place that has a noticeable knee is behind the box, the, behind the fucking text boxes, so you can't see the knee. Yeah, although because of that, it looks like he's trying to electric slide across the screen. Yeah, let's do the cha-cha slide. <laughs> and you can't see Killer Croc's knee. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Very few feet, though. Yeah. Like, if a character okay. has one foot, they won't have another. Yeah. A lot of pouches, too. So many pouches. My God. <laughs> I'm surprised these Xenomorph soldiers weren't given yeah. a special headpiece that just has more pouches on it. Yeah. And and even... I, I don't know. Is this is this bat armor dumber than the Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns design? Or is it just more 90s? I... <laughs> I'll say dumber because this also has pouches. Oh yeah, it has metal pouches. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't mean like metal containers. No, literally metal pouches. They they have fucking button hinges. They have button. They have the te- the tops are secured down with buttons. <laughs> Ugh. Just. Ugh. And then, so final question before moving on to... To the good one. To anything else. (laughs) So, every single bat soldier that we see has the elongated alien head, except the lady. Yeah. Oh, you you want an explanation for that? No, I know the explanation. I just want to point that out for our view for our listeners. Okay. Yeah, think of the standard alien head. That is basically every person in here, including Killer Croc. The lady is just a lady. Yeah. This comic is really bad. Really bad. I haven't even read it yet. Fuck. But you already know what happens, so you're like, oh, I've never read this. This is shit. <laughs> oh, that's Mr. Freeze. I think. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I can see like the. Because he has. So those are supposed to be like genetic tubes then? Yeah, he has. He genetically. He genetically. Like, he creates inside of him the stuff needed to freeze. Because, you know, that's how that works. Yeah, and then that goes down to an assault rifle? Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't have the freeze gun needs iron sights. Yeah. 
Oh my god. This is, this is dumber than I thought. <laughs> this is this is hellish. <laughs> okay, so the the next one is equally dumb, but in a good way. Oh wait, the headsets they're wearing are all the fucking space mar- all the fucking yeah. like space marine headsets. Yeah, yeah, because you know, and also I like you said a, a lot of the designs of the like Gotham people are like deliberate references or stuff, and it's just dumb. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Oh fuck. Yeah, this comic is amazingly bad. <laughs> I wish Nico were here. See this? <laughs> you want me to send them to him? I'll text him and let him know they're in the chat. <laughs> See, yeah, so anyway. Takes. Yeah, so anyway, um, um, the good comic, well... The better comic? The better comic. Yeah, that's the better way to phrase it. Uh, Batman versus Alien. Batman versus Predator Two. So, I like this one for a number of different reasons. One, uh, it builds on the insanely stupid concepts of Gotham really well, because on the one hand you have, excuse me, you have a pred- another predator showing up to kill Batman, and. It's implied that this one is technically breaking the the rules of its own culture by going after someone who has survived a fight with a predator to the point where they send other predators to stop it, (laughs) which I think is kind of a cool idea. Uh, And the predator is attacking Batman in the midst of eight different assassins trying being hired by a local crime boss to to knock him off. There's another day in the life of Batman. Yeah. I gotta deal with this alien murderer and people are trying to kill me. Oh, Mondays. <laughs> yeah. And in the background of this, uh, Huntress is trying to hunt the mobster who hired all these assassins to kill Batman. And she kind of gets pulled into the Predator plot by accident while she's tracking the mobster. But Huntress being Huntress, she's like... Notice me, senpai. <laughs> like, I don't want to... I know that's a cliched way to make that joke, but I don't know how else to describe the relationship between Huntress and Batman. Papa Batman, so, look, I got an A on my spelling test. <laughs> now fuck my friend Car- Barbara. What? What? Do it, I need a mom. <laughs> yeah, I don't... God. But, so, that's kind of the whole story. Like, it's like three or four issues of that, and it's like, there's, like in Predator 2, there's like a secret government agency that's trying to track down these predators to guilt them and get their technology, and, of course, like in Predator 2, them being government agents, they are shit at their job. Absolutely. Um, Does this comic reference the very weird physics that happened when that dude got cut in half. Uh, which time? So, for those who haven't seen Predator 2, uh, there's a point where the government agents, they trap, they trap the Predator, or like, you know, corral him into a meat locker. Okay, yes, I, I remember the scene. And, 
and they crawl under the meat locker because while it is on and active and stuff, they also have like you know flex and shit going through the air. Uh, so that would block the the thermal imaging that the predator uses to see. This is where we learned the predator actually has multiple types of vision to see. Yeah, at least based on what's built into the system, its base version is infrared. But yeah, its base is infrared, but it is able to like filter out it, filter into different things. Eventually, getting to eventually getting to a type of vision where you can see their beams of light in the fucking mist, while everything else is just gray. And yeah. so, mm-hmm. and so, uh, I think was it like it was either Gary Busey or Nick Nolte, some kind of looking motherfucker like that. Uh, it was actually Gary Busey. Yeah, so Gary Busey, um, he's like leading the guys in there, and the Predator pulls out his little saw blade thing and throws it at him. It flies through, hits him in the midsection, and we see the blade go through him. Like, we see this from, like, ground level, so we get, like, a shot of his legs. Blade goes across, the legs fall down, blood pours out, and the top of the body is just up there. We never see the top of the body fall. It just the blade goes through, cuts his cuts him in half. His legs fall, but the top half of his body is just gone. Okay, yes, they do reference that because uh, they, he comes around a corner when seeing a leg, and then th- we don't see where the other half of the body went. <laughs> okay then. But there's like all kinds of like it, it being Gotham. There's all kinds of um, dumb assassins. Like, there's like a 30s knife guy who's sneaking around trying to stab a a James Bond style assassin. <laughs> what? Well, he's trying he's trying to track Huntress while the uh, like the, it comes into a situation where two assassins are both trying to kill Huntress. So Huntress tricks them into killing each other. <sighs> but it's like the fun way, you know, where like she goes ahead far enough to know that, oh, this guy's waiting for someone around the corner. Uh, this guy's following me, so looking for an opportunity to kill me. I'll lead him around the corner so that they can try to kill each other. But up, up, but up, up. Yeah, and both are dead, which is fine. Yep. I'm my Huntress, favorite was the dark one. Yeah, my favorite is the nerdy is the the nerdy looking bomb guy. Uh, um, <laughs> who's like, oh, I found Batman's uh, car because he's apparently out here with some chick, eh? Uh, <laughs> this will be a great time to bomb his car. That's that's how I kill people. I kill people with bombs and cars. Does he actually and, say A? No, no. I just... <laughs> oh, hey, I found a Batmobile over here, eh? <laughs> well, I'm going to plant a bomb in it, don't you know? Yeah, and... Uh, when the alien shows up, well, when the predator is like chasing Huntress, Huntress is trying to evacuate Batman because he just got his shit kicked in by the predator. Naturally, uh, yeah. the 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 little bomb guy's like, "Oh, there's my chance to kill Batman. I'm gonna do it now." And he hits the bomb, but the predator jumps in front of the between him the 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 heroes of the car, so he takes the brunt of the blast. At which, but it doesn't kill the Predator because <laughs> you can't kill the Predator with a bomb even at close range. Yeah, of course not. What is yeah, of course not. The only, way to, the only way to kill a Predator is by making him blow himself up. Yeah, or using his weapons against him. Yes. The Predator can only kill himself. It's only honorable. Yeah. yeah. At which point the nerd's like, yeah, I got Batman. Oh. 
Oh, oh boo. <laughs> oh, he just picks up his phone. It's like, oh, hey, Bob. Hey, oh, it's your brother, Doug. Um, just to let you know, I'm probably going to die soon, eh? Well, yeah, just uh, tell mom I love her and uh, just leave like a thing of two. Just leave like a two far emulsion at my gravy. Eh? Yes, you can drink some of it. God, such a hoser. Yeah, and the rest of it is just like I said. It's Huntress going notice me, senpai, and Batman be like, "No, oh, yeah, I've got to do the, the silent type." Thing. I this. And it ends in a pretty good fight where, um, when uh, the the predator leads, lures them and onto lures Huntress and Batman onto its ship for a final showdown. Um, when he's losing the base fight, he decides to just be a dick by launching the ship into space and venting the oxygen. I. Okay, I, I don't know. All right, I'm also talking with Nico over here about a thing. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, how much of what I just said did you hear? Um, yes. So the final confrontation, like in Predator 2, is between Batman and Huntress with the Predator on his own ship. With me so far? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Goes and in there, goes in there, the, the thing opens up, you see a bunch of alien heads. Yeah. And when the Predator is losing his fight, he decides to be a dick and just launch his ship into space and vent the oxygen. That's not a very Predator-like move. <laughs> well, by all indications, this Predator has broken all, every rule of his own culture other than, I want to hunt this guy. So this is a matter of poor writing or good writing, because this shows there are bad Predators. Good writing, because other predators show up to hunt this predator down for breaking the rules of their culture. Nice, actually. Okay, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. <laughs> and although the crazy predator is good enough to outmaneuver the other predators trying to hunt him, they ultimately get their revenge by blasting his ship so that it crashes before it can get all the way into orbit, so that Huntress and Batman have to exit very quickly before they blow up with the ship. <laughs> <laughs> So it's equally dumb, but it's the kind of 90s dumb that I enjoy. Versus the alien stuff, which is just, might be one of the worst comics I've ever read. <laughs> yeah, that that one looks like absolute shit. Like not it quite, reads like absolute shit. <laughs> like not quite at that Venom level, but close. But Venom, Venom, I would almost argue, is closer to Batman vs. Predators because it's... It, it is also bad, but it's more fun to read bad. I didn't have fun reading Batman vs. Aliens 2. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, yeah. Batman vs. Aliens 2 was kind of in that Nickelback gray area. <laughs> Speaking of more bad Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's not so... like It's not good, and it's not entertainingly bad. It's just that, it's just that weird middle area where... It is competent enough at what it does that the bad things don't don't elevate it. So it just equals out into this weird like gray note. Yeah. Well, I talked about that lot far longer than I intended to, but it was Welcome to the show. 
I, I wanted to talk about that one ever since I read it because I, I basically, as I was reading, I was like, "Dead man, dead man." If I was still on the show, yes. we need to talk about this. God damn it! <laughs> you know, every couple of days, I get, a, I get a new text from Birdie, just outlining some new dumb shit that happened in this. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't quite on the level of uh, the identity crisis. Let's read, basically, where Dead Man basically just has a record of my madness in his phone. Yep. Someday we'll translate that madness probably into recorded format. I mean, we probably have to at this point. So, yeah, um, that book's that one book sucked. The other I had fun with. Doki Doki. (laughs) Moving on to my next book. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this one. Here's the thing, folks. It's no surprise. I like the question. Uh, I, I think a lot of people do. Yes, he is a very fun character. Um, he is he is interesting. They, they're able to. They're, he is a guy that can like facilitate interesting stories. Um, I primarily fell in love with him through the voice of Jeffrey Combs on the animated series. Like most people, also my yeah. first introduction to Huntress because yeah. she desperately wanted to bone him. <laughs> yeah, I. That was the weirdest thing to me. <laughs> just just Huntress and the question. I think even as a kid, I registered like how how much older Jeffrey Combs sounded than everyone else in that show. Yeah. And even just ignoring the like older thing, which I, I'll give you the voice made me think he was significantly older than he probably actually was in the show. But just like characterization wise, it was so weird. Yeah, just... Just got the you got the huntress, just this very this like Batman adjacent, but not equivalent because he because she's like actually has fun and stuff, but she's also like way harsher with shit. And the question: a man who would not be out of place living in a bunker made out of abandoned school buses. And they're just like, yell at him, fuck. And yeah, I I haven't had great luck with the character in the written format so far. Because yeah, I cause... I haven't gone out of my way to like seek out a lot of question stuff. Like the main thing with the question that I've kind of interacted with has 52. been 52. 52. Yeah, that's what cuz I feel like the question te- well, I know the question was a series in the 80s because that's what Rorschach was inspired by. And I haven't read any of that stuff. I don't know if he's had any series since the, like, uh, the relaunch in, um, like, like his own series, not, like, him appearing in other series. No, yeah. Since, uh, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. I'm actually checking now. I think he had one as part of the New 52. Okay, I don't remember that. that lasted, like, a couple of issues before getting canceled. Much like all the other books that actually mattered in <laughs> yeah. 252. Yeah, I think... Or he might not have might not have had a book in that, but he was, like, featured in it relatively in a significant role because he was one of the three great sinners. Uh, yeah, it was... Yeah, Vic Sage. In, instead, of, instead of being, like, a fucking reporter or something who... Put on a who put on like a mask and then 
used a little belt thing to make it say here to his face and then took out to the fucking city streets to take over, shit over. Vic Sage in the New 52 was a man who committed a sin so great he was stripped of his face and identity and was forced to only ask questions. That's that's the dumbest thing I've heard tonight if I hadn't read Batman versus Aliens. He was a sinner on the level of Judas and Pandora. Sure. Okay. DC. Because he was because he was part of that trinity. He was part of that he was part of the Pandora Phantom Stranger thing. Uh, uh. And yeah, that that was the last we saw of the question for a while. Yeah, and I just checked and no, uh Vic Sage never had a full-on series after the 1980s. Um, Renee Montoya had two short miniseries after 52, but that was it. Okay. But yeah, so the character so, has not really been all that prominent in the modern era, other than as like a fun side character. But Yeah. So this is his first, like, this is a miniseries, I believe. Uh, yeah, it is called The Question, The Deaths, plural, of Vic Sage. And so, in this iteration of things, uh, Vic Sage is a TV host who you know you know does his does the question shit um, on the side, and then uses some of the stuff he, gave, he did he did as the question to actually expose scandals and shit to people on his TV show. In this one specifically, uh, he breaks into a whorehouse, a brothel that um, that peddles in underage girls. Beats the shit out of the mayor's like second in command or whatever. Um, takes like gets photographic evidence of him here to show, to show, and also in the meanwhile takes a ring off of this guy that he has something against to him. Uh, he is a bit of an asshole to one of the women because he's like he's like you you made your choices or he says, you you got you got here whatever make sure this girl gets taken over to the police she still has innocence she could be saved. And the girl's like, asshole, not wrong. Leaves, goes to a TV show where he's talking to a to the mayor's like assist, the mayor's sister. Yeah, the mayor's sister. And just ambushes her with this shit. And it all kind of and this entire book uh is leading into it leads into Vic finding out about a secret organization, the Hub City Elder Society. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And he goes down to their old um their old like headquarter location, which is now Derelict Warehouse, goes inside, goes deep down into it, and then finds a cult pit with a bunch of dead bodies around it, and one dead body wearing a wearing a question mask. Like the Vic Sage no face mask. With a bullet hole in the center of it. So he decides to go to um, Richard Dragon's house. Richard Dragon being the guy who taught him how to fight. And he explains how, like, since he saw the mask and since he found out about the symbol, he's been, like, seeing things. We've occasionally seen, like, flashes of this. Like, we see, like, a uh, like a carousel horse covered in blood. Um, we see this face that speaks. And I don't, I call it. I call it a face because that's all I've been able to determine what it actually is. 
because the artwork in this is really bad. Aww. Like the question the, looks the fine. And we- he, like the question looks fine. And they're able to get like a decent amount. They're able to get like a decent amount of atmosphere for like when he's walking through the mist. But it is all so heavily lined and so overly lined and inked <coughs> that half the shit I can barely tell what the fuck it is. Well, let me see if I can find it. Let me see if I can actually get a, grab a screen grab for you so you can get an idea of what I'm saying. Because I was actually considering getting this for Caveman as like a early Christmas gift because I'm he's a huge fan of the question. Yeah. So are you saying it's not good? That's the thing. I'm not 100%. Because it appears to be... Because it looks like there is uh, like some stuff going on. Like there's some um, mystery and intrigue going on like as part of the question stuff. But it also is delving a lot more into like stuff I didn't like about, about like what they did with uh, the question after – like what they did with the question in the New 52 of the, of the like very – spiritual magic side of things with the question. Yeah, like uh Yeah, there's one of the pages. I think I can tell what's going on in half the panels. See, the like the rough edges and line work kind of works when the question is on the panel because it kind of adds to the noir. But the results everywhere else is I have no idea what I'm looking at. <laughs> exactly. And but that might also be a problem. That this is a weird example. Also, we we come you and I have come across this more a lot more recently. Um, paneling that doesn't aid the story. Yeah. Yeah, I read. Like, uh, I read, I read to, some like, of. Notice. I read some of the recent issues of like uh of like Dial H for Hero, and they've gotten into like very confusing panel layouts that don't really add to anything. Yeah. Yeah, like this is another one. And yeah, like it's there's just so much going on that I have a hard time telling what's happening and anything in any of like the more fantastical shit that's happening out there. It's just all is way too busy and messy. But like it, but like when it does the very when it does like the grounded stuff, like like there's a like there's there's a riot in here. And it is a riot that has come about because there's video evidence of a cop shooting down two black men. Okay. You know, the fine stuff. But even in there, things aren't exactly great because there's a lot of uh, like characters go off model a lot. There's like some fairly weird faces. Um, everyone, again, has a like, very heavily lined face. Maybe not heavily lined, but like messily lined. So it all just feels really dirty. 
which may or may not work with the question. I don't feel like like grit is one thing, dirt is another. Like having a gritty yeah. detective story and a dirty detective story are two very different things. Same thing with like a gritty and dirt. Same thing with like looks. Like grit and dirt look very distinct, and this looks dirty, messy, and just bad. Yeah. But writing like wise, it. Oh, go ahead. Uh, dirty is not necessarily a bad look for the question. It's just kind of like how people got sick of Frank Miller's designs. You kind of have to have a point, or it has to. You have to still be able to follow it. Yeah. And between the paneling and like the the story details, I don't know what they're going for design wise. Yeah, so, maybe that was intentional because this because these are like visions that he's having that he doesn't fully understand. But okay, I can't enough. get anything out of these. Yeah, I, I literally don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, like the, like the top middle one. I don't even know what the fuck that's... I don't even know what that might be. Yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, and so this book and so this book ends with um, him visiting Dragon, uh, Dragon drugging him, setting up a net metronome, and he falls back in his chair and then winds up in what looks like the past where he just has no face. And he's just like a cowboy. Uh, okay. So yeah, it's going to be a... What I'm assuming this book is, is it is going to be a... Is it going to be a past life regression where he goes through his various past lives, each of which were their own versions of the question, and then he dies as each one of them in the, each issue, which will then lead to some kind of revelation about what's happening in the present. That's what I assume. And that's not what I want out of the question. I want a just straight up mystery. Yeah, I don't mind some like psychedelic elements, but I'm more in the question, like you said, for like a a kind of dark getting into the grid of things story. Like that's why Rorschach was the way he was. Yeah, like, like he was a straight up get to the. It, he's a straight up get to the uh, truth type character in a world that's too gray and muddy to follow. But you know, like, have you watched or, or like heard anything about the Watchmen TV series? Uh, some good things I have heard, um, and this makes me like it more. Uh, people complaining that uh, Watchmen should go back to not being political. <laughs> Yes. Mm. Yeah, like there are a bunch of like angry people I've seen who are just like, they made Rorschach a bad guy. Which like, have they read Watchmen? Probably not. For those who haven't, Rorschach was a far right wing extremist. And like a sociopath, a murderer. He was a bad man. So it makes 100% sense that a that a white nationalist organization would gravitate towards Rorschach imagery for their organization. Yep. 
the new frontiersman, the newspaper that he read religiously and sent his fucking manifesto to after he died. They weren't a good newspaper. Nope. Like Alan Moore crawled out of his fucking cave in the middle of England to say, yo, you dumbasses are fucking, did you read my goddamn book? That's just hilarious. Yeah. I'm kind of getting sick of, uh, maybe it's just because, Paul, everything sucks right now that everyone wants there to be no politics in their escapist fiction, whereas I'm of the opinion that a bit of politics improves my escapist fiction. I... It depends on the situation, I guess. But yeah, like um, I, I think I actually remember like me and Nico talking about it when Doomsday Clock first started coming out, and how it was like kind of a bit heavy to read at that exact moment because of what was happening in the world. Okay, but it yeah, but, like I think the thing we landed oh, on, I, was, yeah, it, it was it was too real, too quick. I guess, yeah. Yeah, like, like the thing that we landed on was, like, if we were reading this, like, five years from now, it would not have this impact on us. But because it w- because we were literally reading a superhero story with the politics of literally the world we're living in. Yeah. It was all just kind of a bit much at that exact moment. Yes, I can see that. Yeah, so politics, politics can be fine in uh, these storylines like this. Like, I... I'm actually reading a book right now, which just in which just imposed a very interesting philosophical question about the about the government and the world they're living in, which actually is a very interesting thing to think about. Like to go off topic a bit, I started reading the Mistborn series, and the first book, Mistborn: The Final Empire. Uh, there is a point where one of the characters kind of sits down and asks a question of the group. The whole thing is like a heist storyline where they're trying to overthrow this government. And the government is led by a guy called the Lord Ruler, who is an aspect of God. Or at least it's what, or at least it's what the, that, that's what the narrative in the world is. And so, the, so one of the guys asks, okay, so we're do, are we doing the right thing by doing this? Because since this man is an aspect of God, what he is doing is good. Thus, we are by nature evil. Or has good actually been like warped in such a way that good and evil are now irrelevant? This weird pseudo-political, pseudo-philosophical question is kind of in the middle of this heist story where people eat metal to do magic. That was neat. And kind of like this weird little thing to kind of pop out. It's like, oh, it's neat. And other things of, like, reading storylines and, like, actually, if anyone listens to the anime podcast, Unordinary is kind of like that. Or just like, just like the storyline that, like, me and Birdie have been kind of building around of, like, what world is this? You know, that's coming back. Like, kind of discussing that amongst ourselves about whether or not this is about why about the world in Unordinary. Politics and political ideologies have a place in fiction. Just sometimes you need a bit of distance. Yeah. Or at the very least, some more context. Then yeah. just, oh, hey, Superman's here and it's a race riot. Yeah. But at the same time, people going, uh, how dare 
Watchmen be political is just he's hilarious. <laughs> it's like the, it's like a headline that I saw. This is not political, but it's fucking stupid and hilarious, and I love it. Kathleen Kennedy, the head of Lucasfilms, says that says that making Star Wars movies going forward will be hard because there are no books or comics to base storylines off of. Savage. <laughs> <laughs> she said that at like a proper, fully made at like a proper thing. She said it'll be hard to make movies because there's nothing to base the movies off of. Yeah, I mean, th- on the one hand, that's dumb. On the other hand, I'm of the opinion that the fucking uh, the Star Wars fandom has become one of the most toxic things in existence, and I'm thoroughly sick of it. Yeah, that that fuck that. I almost don't even want to see episode nine at this point because I don't want to even have an opinion on this because the fandom on both sides of it has so thoroughly made this unpalatable for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of with (laughs) you. I have always been, or at least the last couple of years, I have been very much anti-fandoms. Like any. I I try not to be because like I'm, a big fan of oh, no, no, like, some things. Like being like, I don't problem with people being fans of things. I have problems with fandoms, like the fucking, oh, yeah, like, the organized, like as you were saying, the Reddit, the Reddit com- communities. Exactly. Of, yeah. Like the second, the second that like a community gets a name that they uh, that they like um, ascribe to themselves, I'm like, okay, the guys are on fucking thin ice. Star Wars is a fucking nightmare. Yeah. There's good stuff happening in it, but yeah. have you watched good any of the- Lord, I am having trouble caring at this point with yeah. all this shit. <laughs> yeah, like The Mandalorian is an alright show. I have watched a few episodes of it. It's pretty good. It kind of pisses me off, but that's mainly because of it I it's mainly just pisses me off because Star Wars I have to stop thinking about Star Wars like sci-fi. Yeah, it's fantasy with sci-fi trappings. Yeah, it's it's fantasy with lasers. Yeah. And so so like I got to I have to stop being annoyed when people when people go when people go like, "All right, so yeah, the Mandalorians they use carbonite freezing to transport the prisoners," which the, the fucking yeah. don't. Carbonite. And I mean it, it's not like I can't enjoy a series where f- fix, like f- traditional fantasy tropes and sci-fi are combined. I'm currently watching the She-Ra series on Netflix. Yeah, there we go. But She-Ra has not, did not start out as the small little thing and then expand out into a ludicrously rabid fan based merchandising empire where anything that they do is then expanded expounded upon by people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about and then it is immediately ignored and retconned. Fair enough. They also yeah, have I, they also have yet to introduce a character named She Ra with two A's at the end of it and it's an evil clone of the main character. Yeah. Because, because that's a thing that happened. Yeah. Just look up Luke with two U's, Skywalker. 
I just found out that apparently, um, what is it? Uh, the He-Man of the Masters of the Universe comic, uh, for a while, uh, employed yours and my favorite, um, uh, at least cover artist, if not interior artist, uh, Stajep and Sajic. She rock covers. That was a good time. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, you gotta love the Japan. Yeah. Maybe, maybe someday soon we'll, or maybe someday soon we'll have developed enough respect for him to learn how to properly pronounce his name. Stepan, maybe. I, 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 uh, I think, I think it actually is Stepan Sage. Yeah. Oh. And now Nico's blowing my shit up. Anywho. Alright. Um, so, I don't know how much... So, you've done both of your comics, right? Yes, I have. Alright. So, I'm going to do a quick rapid fire of a couple of things to get to the last thing I kind of want to talk about. This. So, um, the Greg Garka Lois Lane series is very good. Uh, highly recommended. It's, the new one? Uh, yeah. Okay. The one where, after all the weird shit with her son coming back a grown adult and he's, she's trying to process that while also being an actual reporter addressing actual issues in politics and also being the wife of Superman. And they're like actually having like adorable, uh, press, press husband and wife discussions while he's trying to shower all the blood from a, uh, from what looks like a, a, some kind of giant alien crab creature off him. Okay, yeah, that sounds fun. I I think I fell off Superman uh, around the time like right. Bendis be- took over. Yeah, actually, so I didn't know that uh, his. <laughs> so I didn't know the kid had come back. Yeah, fair enough. I, I mean, I can't blame you for that. It's not anything great. Yeah, I saw okay. I saw him flirt. Yeah, I saw him flirt with uh, the, the exact scene I gave up was him flirting with that fucking fire inspector. Yeah, and I think Nico was trying to get you on board. And you're like, nope. Nope. It's <laughs> just like, no, nah, I'm I'm done. I don't need to see some weird like, hey, my wife's gone on vacation storyline with fucking Superman. Yeah, that that appears to not be the case, at least in the Greg Rucka Lois Lane series, which I'm going to read the rest of as it comes out. Okay. Uh, I think I talked with you about Painkiller Jane, and the only reason I'm bringing it up again is so I can shit on Harley Quinn because. Um, <sighs> Okay, so I guess I'll ask you this question broadly first. Do you like the Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti take on Harley Quinn? I did at first. Okay. Like, when it first was coming out, it was a new... It was, at the time, a new direction for Harley Quinn. Like, she hadn't yet been saturated to, like, Deadpool levels of idiocy. But it was, at the time, just a fun light series that I was able to read. It had some solid art in it, uh, some good characters. It developed on the relationship between Harley and Poison Ivy, which I really enjoyed. Um, but eventually it, eventually I'd lost the point of it. Yeah. Well, I think the writers have too. <laughs> like, I, I recently- and yeah, like I like lost the point of it. I lost the thread of what the series was trying to do. And, 
at that point, I was starting to get sick of it. I started to get sick of this interpretation of Harley Quinn because she didn't have depth anymore. Like Deadpool, I will like Deadpool is Deadpool can be a very fun, wacky, meme character, but he's also a man suffering from intense depression and has a very strong, like fatherly kind of complex to him. Like given the right writer, he can be an amazing, like big brother style character. Like he was to Evan. He can be a good dad kind of character to his daughter in, in like the, uh, in the Deadpool book proper. But it was, there was always that layer of he needed a certain amount of separation from these guys because if he had, if he was in their lives, he would end up killing them. Okay, fair enough. Harley Quinn could be on that level. She she is a character with a very with with a with an amount of depth that not a lot of writers explore, and they mainly just go for wow, she's crazy. Look at her big hammer. As seen by the tr- the new trailer for her animated series, which is apparently premiering this Friday. <sighs> we have shit on that enough. <laughs> it's like if Venture Brothers was dumb. <laughs> it's like no, the, the thing was, it's like if Venture Brothers, if it's like if Venture Brothers was made by a marketing team. <laughs> Just all right, guys. We got it. All right, guys. We got to fucking push these daddy's little monster T-shirts at Hot Topic. Yeah. All right. So I don't know if you've talked with him about it, but my James has seen it, so your James has to see it, so we can have to see if we get both James thumbs up or down. <laughs> <laughs> Would he seen the Harley Quinn show? No, he's seen the Harley Quinn trailer because ah. I showed him the trailers for that and Birds of Prey, and he was like, "Yeah, Birds of Prey looks worse." <laughs> Ooh, uh, fuck. I don't know actually what I think looks worse. <laughs> I kind of want to say, I, I think I'm actually leaning more, more towards birds of, birds of Prey because the Birds of Prey are in it. Yeah, like, I, I'm going to say Birds of Prey looks worse just because the Harley Quinn show is not lying about what it is. Yeah, that, that show is, that show is what you think it is. Yeah, whereas I don't know why this show is, this movie is calling itself Birds of Prey when it's clear they just want to make a Harley Quinn movie. <laughs> yeah, like it is. The poster is kind of the perfect example of that whole thing. Yeah. Just, it's called Birds of Prey. All the Birds of Prey are barely on it. But Harley Quinn, fucking giant. She's so yeah. big. That's the fun voice to do. I think that's why I keep doing it. She'll star in her own miniseries where she she's going to headline a Birds of Prey movie. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the reason I brought the Harley Quinn is because I'm increasingly of the opinion that aside from like the wacky humor, Amanda Carter, Jimmy Pelling, I have basically just built Harley Quinn as painkiller Jane. So you're probably not familiar with painkiller Jane because the one time I talked with you about it, you were like, what, the terrible sci-fi show? Yeah, that's the only thing I am familiar with Painkiller Jane from. Yeah. Is that fucking sci-fi show starring Blood Rain? Yep. 
I have not seen it. I'm mildly curious, but I've heard bad things. It is drab. <laughs> Looking uh, back at that show, said, the only thing I remember about it are just like pure blank cement walls. Oh, so that's not even the fun kind of bad. That's like eating paper paste. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Like it's not good for you and you're not going to enjoy the experience at all. It's not even going to give you a trip. Okay, so... <clears throat> arguably the Painkiller Jane comics hew kind of close to what that show, I think, was trying to do. But what based on what you're saying, it sounds like the show was missing its sense of humor. It was missing the whole, a sense of humor. Yeah, because the whole... I mean, it was a dark and gritty cop show, but it's like if the Punisher has trouble dying, like like literal trouble dying, not like the, oh, the, the Punisher has plot armor trouble dying. Like to the point where Jane's first instinct, when she sees the bomb, is, oh, fuck, I guess I'll throw myself on it. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to hurt for a while, but fuck. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it's basically Spawn's backstory, except with a snarky, uh, doesn't-give-a-fuck cop who, who now works as a private detective because everyone thinks she's dead because the her old friend on the DEA who got her into this because she broke cover to go uh, see her husband in the hospital, which got her in trouble. <laughs> so now she feels bad for it, so she's trying to, like, hide... Jane's existence and like throw cases her way to keep her out of trouble and give her a reason to want to live. But like, so the individual comics, cause they're like, again, kind of like the master, like mostly miniseries are, they're dark and violent, but they're mostly, they're kind of too silly to like take the violence and the darkness all that seriously. Like at one point she gets stabbed by like, shrapnel from glass from a bomb exploding and her 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 arms are pinned by a guy who's fighting her so her instinct is to jab her stomach up and stab the guy with the other end of the glass in her stomach naturally doing the good old green arrow maneuver <laughs> oh, i can't beat you stab myself it's like voodoo So, and because of that, and because of, like, just the kind of things Jane says, where at one point in one series she meets a uh, a psychic Dr. Kevorkian-type person who uh, can see how people are going to die, or in Jane's case, how she was going to die multiple times, and, like, try to offer them a way to kill them more humanely. Uh-huh. And then her response was... Bitch, how is the way you want to kill me any more or less humane than the way as I've died a thousand times already? He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and so she just grabs it, stabs herself. I was like, oh, that, well, that's going to make me drunk for a while. Excuse me while I fall asleep. And she just like <laughs> passes out from the like lethal injection she gives herself. <laughs> Anytime you've talked about Painkiller Jane in the comic, I've wanted to read it because it sounds fun. Yeah, it is fun. Minus um, some ties to some other failed Jimmy Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti stuff. That thankfully, if they do Painkiller Jane series now, they probably won't feature. 
like the fucking 22 brides. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that was a thing. But it was. And it was stupid. Alrighty. Uh, okay, so one last big thing. Um, you should read uh, the Power Rangers miniseries featuring Corone uh, from Lost in Space and not Lost in Space, In Space and Lost Galaxy. Yeah, I've been meaning to. I've been meaning to catch up on just Power Rangers in general. Yeah. Because, like, the thing, like, I was following so many different fucking series. I burned myself yeah. out on comics hard right yeah. around the end of so, Shattered Grid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of Shattered Grid, remember how at the start of that we were like, where the fuck did the Psycho Green come from? Yeah. They explained that in here. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Do you want me to spoil that for you, or I'll read it. Yeah, uh, art's good, uh, story's good. Like I mentioned to you in a text, um, Corone has become my favorite and possibly the most dynamic character in Power Rangers. Yeah, like she's basically right. like she's basically been forced to accept that Astronema is just a part of her that she can tap into if she needs to, even if she's evil. Yeah, that. She's been the most. She was the most interesting. I think like like some of the original like. That original run of shows. Mm-hmm. Maybe in all of Power Rangers. Yep. But uh, I liked it much better than uh, Soul of the Dragon, which was just uh, Tommy Oliver somehow still being able to be a Power Ranger in the time of SPD, which was confusing and weird. <laughs> the time is confusing and weird in Power Rangers. <laughs> Anyway. Uh, so yeah, that's it. That's it for me. I think I've covered enough. No, right. I've talked quite a bit. Yeah, it was nice. Managed to get managed to get a full show out of this. Nice. Yeah, and actually, not a boring show. I don't think. I, yeah, no, I we, came, we we got shit done. I came armed. Yeah. So that's gonna it for this week. Thank y'all for joining us. We'll be back some point. Uh, during the whole Nico thing, he has been texting me saying, yeah. "Well, we need to get uh, the band back together." <laughs> well, I mean, in December, you and he have an anniversary, have a, uh, a, 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 a date with Doom you need to finish. Yes. Uh, in December, with the final issue of Doomsday Clock being released, we'll be getting a spotlight episode doing that, running down issue by issue like we did with Heroes in Crisis and Injustice. What the fuck did that start coming out? I can't even remember anymore. Neither can I. I will I will check. I'm on Wikipedia right now. Doomsday clock. November of 2017. <laughs> it has been over two years for 12 it's issues. 12 issues. <laughs> and has it all been worth it, dead man? No, it has not. I gave up around issue nine and just said, I'll just read it all when it comes out fully. Uh. Yep. So that's, so that's happening. Uh, and also Titans. (laughs) (laughs) Season two is wrapping up soon. Um, which means that it'll be soon coming to Canadian Netflix, at which point myself, Nico, Bird 
And if you can't make it because school or stuff, um, Caveman has said he'd be willing to pinch it. Yeah, I mean, I want to do it. It's just maybe we can't. It's going to take a while to cover the episodes. Yeah. Yeah, because Birdie, like we said, like I said, when he originally left, he has a real job now, which it takes up a lot of time and a lot of mental energy. Yeah. Like I said, th- this is therapy for me now, talking to Dead Man about comics. Because. <laughs> I'm a therapist. Otherwise, I have to think about my students trying to commit suicide in my class or uh, trying to blackmail me or race riots or the fact that I work for a horribly broken system that won't pay me. And that's all for today. That's all for tonight, folks. Yep. As I said, we'll be back at some point with more of this shit. Hopefully get Nico in here, too. Until then, though, I'm dead. And for the moment, I'm still birdie. We'll see you guys next time.